This is One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. Welcome into a Thursday edition of One Bills Live. Maddie Glab alongside Steve Tasker today filling in for Chris Brown. Today is a fast Friday at One Bills Drive. That means in earlier practice, not as much time so the guys can get out of the building because they'll be traveling to Chicago tomorrow for the final preseason game it is upon us next week, Tuesday afternoon, is when final cuts will be made or will be official, officially official. Um, so we're starting to turn the page to what yeah. in-season week weeks look like here in Buffalo. Five days away, they're going to have their 53 men, and it'll be interesting to see some of the things we don't know, how they're going to handle Vaughn uh, Miller and his status and how close that means and how they handle it, how close will that mean or far away that that means that he's going to be back in the fold, um, how they're going to shake out the middle linebacker, how they're going to shake out the offensive line, how many defensive linemen they're going to keep. Are there going to be any personnel moves before that Tuesday tr- deadline? Uh, you know, there's going to be – there's a lot of talk, always a lot of talk this time of year where there's going to be a trade. Like, we need a guy here, you guys – have a bunch of them, and we got a bunch of them here that we don't need anymore. How about let's trade? That kind of thing. Maybe. It doesn't happen all that often, but we'll see. Plus, think about this. This is usually the time of year when Brandon Bean extends some guy. Mm-hmm. You know, there's usually a guy that has been on the radar for Bills fans or whatever, and they say, okay, here you go, and they give him a new extension of some guy, one guy. Yeah. Uh, doesn't mean it's got to happen, but it has in the past about this time. We will see what happens. Several questions that need to be answered ahead of that final cut to 53. Not really final cut, the only cut to 53 because this year there were no cuts that were made after each like preseason it game. It's a new thing this year. You like it better. How come? Um, it gives those guys all the reps they need. They mm-hmm. can they can stay hang around. It gets them to this last preseason game where they they can all play. And I think, why bring a guy in, give him a two weeks of camp, and then cut him before the first preseason game? That's one of the usual first cuts where they go from, well, back in the way back, it was like from 115 down to 90 or something, <laughs> you know. But you get these guys in, sign them to a contract, you think they've got a chance to uh, on a team that they think they've got a chance to make. Give them a chance to play and hang around for an entire training camp. Guys will get a lot out of this. And it's good for the league, too, because that last preseason game becomes something better. Not that it's anything more valuable. It's just better for the coaches, for the players. And uh, I just like it better. Just that one last cut, and here's the day, guys. And it's kind of a roadblock for some. Speaking of guys getting an opportunity to, you know, put some tape together, put some film together, being on the same team for your training camp instead of making several cuts after preseason games. The other thing is these players also get more time within an offense or defense. So you're going to get to learn the system a little bit better rather than being cut after a first preseason game, then going to a new team and having to pick up that offense. And then the fate of your career is decided on partially how quickly you can pick up an NFL offense or defense, a new one, implement that and showcase the 
skills that you have on the field. So I kind of like it for that reason as well. These guys get um, a full full couple of months here in this system to be able to show the coaches, all right, this is how I learned it. This is how it looks on the field for me. This is how and why I think I believe um, that I should play a part on this team. Sean McDermott met with the media on Thursday Early afternoon, I almost said Friday because today is a Friday in this building, uh, spoke to the media at 11 o'clock, and he did announce that Josh Allen and the starters will see the field against the Chicago Bears on Saturday at 1 o'clock. How much time will they play? We do not know. He didn't have an answer on if they would play a quarter and a half, a quarter, a series, what that'll look like. But we will see the starters again on Saturday. What do you think about that, Steve? Throwing Josh Allen and the starters out there. A little surprised. Yep. Um, certainly, I, I don't know that it's sending a message, although I don't think they have they have played – Maybe they have played well, like this in the last in a few. Last years. year, Josh Allen mm-hmm. played in one game. It was the second preseason yeah, okay. game. The starters as well. Um, Josh Allen did not play in the final preseason game. I don't think the other starters did as well. Maybe a couple were out there, but I believe your your Stefan Diggs kind of those type of players also sat in that final preseason yeah, game. So I I think it is a little different. I and I think it has to do with the way they played in Pittsburgh, or at least started the game in Pittsburgh, and. You know, they've uh, – this. yeah, he's making a statement. I don't think there's any question about it. And I don't know that Josh went out and played bad. I don't, in fact, I know he didn't play badly. Uh, but if you're going to make an example and set an example for the team, start it at the, with the best players because the guys who are not the best players get the message loud and clear. Mm-hmm. If Josh has to play, I, I know they're not going to cut him. They may cut me if I – jump off sides or if I make another penalty or if I drop another pass or if I miss another tackle, it becomes apparent that nobody is safe from being held accountable. And when you start with your best players like Sean McDermott's doing, it does send the message loud and clear. And I'm sure they're going to get it. Um, it'll be – it'll. It, yeah, but as as with all all this stuff, it's like, oh, my gosh, don't let anything bad happen. Yeah, Josh Allen played the entire first quarter uh, against the Steelers. He was 7 of 10 for 64 passing yards, had an 87.1 passer rating, um, wasn't able to score any touchdowns. The Steelers' defensive line, they were putting the pressure on the offensive line, so we'll see what that looks like uh, against the Chicago Bears. And, and speaking of the offensive line, the depth has kind of been – The the depth has taken a hit at the offensive line with Brandon Shell announcing that he would retire last week and then news coming out of the Steelers game that Tommy Doyle is going to be out for the season. And when Sean McDermott also spoke to the media on Friday morning, he said that Connor McGovern was not going to be practicing today. He was not out on the practice field. Uh, did not give us a timeline for when he expects Connor McGovern to be back. He said, well, We'll see how it goes for him. I'm not putting a label on that. Uh, Dorian Williams also missing practice on Friday. I'm trying to bring up the list of the other guys here because there were quite a few ones. He said that Von Miller does remain on the PUP list, uh, so no movement there. Uh, A new thing this week, I would say, is that Von Miller – was working off to the side, which he has been doing, but the the new addition with that was he did have um, pants and pads on in the lower half of his body, and he did have a helmet. 
on that he was working off to the side with. So that's kind of been the case the last few days. Uh, Khalil Shakir was not at practice either. Not practicing, I should say. He was working off to the side. Terrell Bernard also not practicing. Uh, so a few guys that are still out with injuries. Uh, Terrell Bernard has been... Um, out for the last two weeks, yeah, I want to say. Yeah, he pulled a hamstring pretty with badly. With a hamstring yeah. injury. And so I'm um, – yeah, I mean, they're, they've got some guys that are nicked up. Connor McGovern is the most concerning. Matt Barkley and Jordan Mims were the other two right. guys that were not practicing McGovern as well. got tweaked yesterday, and, and there's no question they're going to be extremely cautious with him to make sure he gets back as fast as possible because he's their left guard and starting left guard and has – I mean, they signed him and plugged him in right away, and he's been great. So, no reason to think that they're that's at it, at this point it's going to be anything serious. But they, all of a sudden, all those names you listed, Connor McGovern being the the most of which, and then you know Brandon Shell's gone, Tommy Doyle's gone. All of a sudden, three guys that actually were going to be in the mix aren't available. Yeah, that's big. And who knows? So, I mean, hopefully Connor McGovern is back soon and this injury is not a big deal or anything like that. Um, you could look at look at it as a positive that Sean didn't want to put a timeline on it because it must not be entirely serious to the point where it's a, it's a Tommy Doyle type injury where it's, hey, he's out for the entire season. So hopefully this is something where Connor McGovern can work on it this week and come back and be ready for the season, be ready for that first week of in-season practices leading up to that Monday night game against the Jets in week one. But you look at this offensive line, you look at the injuries that this team went through last season the depth in, in almost every position group took a hit, and you don't want to see that heading into your first game against an AFC East opponent, against a Jets team that was really good on defense last year. They will be good on defense again this season, uh, a top five, top ten type of defense. You want that depth to be there. You want your starters to be healthy, and – a guy like Connor McGovern, who is a new player on this offensive line, who is going to provide some some life to the offensive line, who is a good athlete, who is a younger player, who has a lot of starting experience under his belt at the Dallas Cowboys. You want him to be there for that first game. So hopefully this is no big deal. Hopefully next week we're talking about him be, being back on the practice field. So we will pay attention to that and keep you guys updated on his status, his health. Matt Barkley also not practicing with that elbow injury that he suffered in the game against the Steelers, that second preseason game. I was wondering, are we going to see him at practice at all this week? How does that change yeah. your game plan for going up against the Bears? Yesterday was kind of talking through it with people like, hey, if Josh isn't going to play and Matt Barkley isn't going to play, we didn't have news on Josh Allen playing yet, so this is now updated news. But is Kyle Allen going to have to go out there for yeah. the entire game? We know Josh Allen will play a portion of this game. I'm not sure if Matt Barkley will play because he has not yeah, been he's on not the field yet he this probably week won't, He at probably practice. won't play. I would say he won't play because he's not practicing uh, at all, even today in a walk in a light practice. So it looks like Kyle Allen's going to go the distance. And uh, then you if, wonder about that. So Kyle Allen's going to go the distance. Kyle Allen could play a full three quarters. Yeah. Let's hope this guy 
doesn't right. come out of the game for any reason because if Matt Barkley is hurt and Kyle Allen has to come out of the game, then who are you putting back in there, Josh Allen? Yeah, well, that's the, that's the thing. And if you do – if it comes to that, you can bet Josh Allen will be handing the ball off a lot. Yeah. That's – I don't know. I – yeah, you always worry about this stuff, but let's, let's, it, I know the game doesn't mean anything, so it's I not. I could be making a You big think deal it might not be worth it, but if if they all if they practice play the first game against the Jets on Monday night, somebody gets hurt. Just because the game meant something doesn't mean you get them back. You know, mm-hmm. the game's a risk. It takes you. You just got to live with it. It's something we all yes have to get used to. Um, it does sound incredibly risky to play them in a preseason game. It's not. It's probably less risky than a regular season game. Um, right. I don't know. It feels like that. Although you know, there's nothing that says that. That's true. Um, it's a risk. Playing football's a risk. You can't get caught up in it, man. If you got, if your team says a guy's got to play because you're you're shallow at that position, you don't have enough guys. That's it. Strap it up. Let's go. Um, mm-hmm. Doesn't mean you have to be happy about it, or any of the fans have to be happy about it. But those players aren't going to bother with it. They're going to they're going to be fine with it. Everybody would rather play than stand and watch. So just let them play. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm. I know everybody's going to be throwing their hands up, <laughs> wondering, worrying about Josh. You know, you know, getting a hangnail. But whatever. Um, they got to get ready. What they're this is all focusing on is getting ready for the Jets on opening night on Monday night football week one in MetLife against the Rodgers and the Jets. So and it's it's hmm. hard to balance us seeing guys go down in practices and us seeing guys go down during preseason games and then you put guys out there for the last preseason game and and you're hoping and health like is in their favor happen, but right, yeah right. you know we've already seen this team take a hit with injuries in the preseason and we don't want that to happen anymore leading up to this week one game against the Jets hopefully mm-hmm. that is not the case we've got a question for you guys today because there are still ongoing position battles as we approach this game against the Jets on Monday night so Since Saturday marks the final preseason game, we want to know what position battle that you want to see decided in that game against the Bears. One o'clock kick is your time for that. So tweet us or give us a call at 803-0550. Do you want to see that cornerback position battle settled? Do you want to see the linebacker position battle settled? Do you want to see the battle at right guard settled between Osiris Torrance and Ryan Bates? What do you want to see figured out on the field on Saturday afternoon in Chicago. Let us know your answers. We'll be taking phone calls and we'll be reading off your answers to the questions on our tweet sheet later in the show. But plenty of NFL news and notes. So let's go around the NFL presented by Kaleida Health. Kaleida Health is the official healthcare system of the Buffalo Bills. And first we'll talk about the Indianapolis Colts. So They're fielding inquiries, trade offers about running back Jonathan Taylor. They did give a deadline, I believe that was Tuesday, um, for Jonathan Taylor to field those calls, you know, where he Mm -hmm. could be traded to. The Dolphins are a team that they're looking for a running back. They Kind of yeah. wanted to see if Josh Jacobs is available. They made a call to the Raiders to the Raiders to see if if Josh Jake, Jacobs 
would be somebody that they could go after. Doesn't look like that's going to happen. Um, so is Jonathan Taylor, could that be something that the Dolphins are interested in? What do you think about Jonathan Taylor looking elsewhere? And the Colts uh, granting him permission yeah, to luck. do so. I mean, we, we talked about this a little bit yesterday, and I just don't think the market's going to be <clears throat> anything, John, and particularly the player. He's going to go out and find his trade, and he may come back. He may come back to the Colts and say, "Don't trade me for that." You know, don't trade me to those guys. Um, I don't think he's going to get a warm welcome on the trade market. He's coming off an injury. Uh, he's a running back, and he wants big money. And all three of those things are not good for him. Um, unfortunately for Jonathan Taylor, the, the Colts hold all the cards. I mean, just, whatever for whatever reason, the, you know, they're the one. If he wants to play this year and extend his career and make himself more valuable, he better play. He better get on the field and play um, somehow, some way. So the Colts have given Taylor until Tuesday to find a suitable trade after authorizing that he could go ahead and do that this week. Uh, six teams have inquired about Taylor's availability. Two of them have engaged with the Colts in talking offers, including the Miami Dolphins. Um, that's according to a source telling ESPN. Um, it's unclear, at least right now, whether a team is willing to meet the Colts' trade demands, which have been described by sources as being a first-round pick or a package of picks worth a similar value. First-round pick, running backs, it's tough with, with that. Yeah, no. Nobody's going to – nobody. Nobody's going to trade a first-round pick for Saquon Barkley, let alone one of these other guys, Josh Jacobs, Jonathan Taylor. They, they won't do it. Yeah. Another piece of news in the NFL, the Cardinals are trading Isaiah Simmons to the Giants for a 2024 seventh-round draft pick. Isaiah Simmons, you're thinking, oh, that sounds like a familiar name. That's because he was a former first-round pick. He's the eighth pick of the 2020 NFL draft. Um, not fitting with the 49ers, he's a, so... He's a little bit of a tweener. Or the Cardinals, so they're going to go ahead and trade him. He's a tweener linebacker, you know, a type right. of guy who, who could play safety, who could play linebacker, um, and the Cardinals not really finding a fit for him, so he will go ahead to the Giants. And people out of Giants country are saying, watch out, because yeah. our, our defensive coordinator is going to find a place for him figure out how he fits within defense and make it work. Um, so yeah. that'll be interesting to see how, how they peg him as a defensive player, um, see what they have in store for him. But a seventh-round pick for it somebody who was drafted well. in the first round, eighth overall of the 2020 NFL draft, um, played he for three seasons with the Cardinals, um, started in seven games his rookie year, uh, then started in 17 in 2021 and 13 in 2022. Um, had four interceptions in his career and had 258 combined tackles. Well, it took him a long time his rookie year to get on the field as a number eight overall pick, which is a little bit disconcerting. Um, 
for a guy who's just kind of that kind of player, kind of a read and react, go get him kind of player. It took him forever to get on the field. And then when he did, they had a hard time finding a spot where he could really excel. And the Giants must feel like he gives them something. Certainly he's an athlete, that, and that's the one thing about him. He's, he's a tremendous athlete, but he's not quite fast enough or shifty enough to play safety, and he's not quite big enough to play linebacker. But he is fast. He's a little bit like a Micah Parsons type of guy. He's 6'4", 238. Right. So he's tall, but just uh, – I don't know why he's, he's not fit or can't play inside linebacker, um, but he had a hard time fitting into the defense. He ran a 4-3-9 at the combine. Yeah. So that, you know, it, it's it, – they had a hard time finding a spot for him. He's one of those athletes – so we'll see what the Giants can do. Wink Martindale, the guy at, uh, at the New York Giants mm-hmm. with Brian Dable, he'll figure it out and give him a shot at it. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. I I tend to worry about guys who had a hard time getting on the field for a bad team. He was a 2019 ACC Defensive Player of the Year. Um, has a rare blend of size, speed, and athleticism, but Arizona just couldn't find a fit for him. So that's why they decided, you know, we're going to go ahead and trade a player like this. It's interesting, though, because within the NFL and today's NFL and how teams play defense, you always hear about a positionless player. That's a big – that's something that we hear quite a bit in the NFL today. And I think if he goes to the right team, the right defensive coordinator – positionless player can be used um, in a positive way. It seems like with the Cardinals, it was not a positive thing because they couldn't find a true fit for somebody like him who's a tweener linebacker. Will the answer be for the New York Giants? Can Brian Dayball and Wink Martindale figure out, okay, this is how we're going to get the best out of a player like this, a tweener type player when you're putting um, different packages out there on the field? Yeah, it's going to be – Interesting. I, I, I get it, though. The Giants, on their part, they're trying to get better. And better athletes, better play seem to will make you better. Uh, they need guys who can make things happen. Simmons is one of those guys who, gosh, he has all the things you want. He's got these, these 6'4", almost 240 pounds, and can really run. But there's something in there that kept him from being a dominant player for the Cardinals, even, even actually getting on the field early on in his career. Maybe the game's too intellectual for him at this level. I don't know. Maybe he doesn't have a work ethic. Maybe he's, maybe he's a bad guy. I have no idea. But there is a reason he doesn't fit in Arizona, and that to me is uh, unbelievable. The Giants are obviously thinking what I'm thinking, thinking, hey, seventh-round draft pick for this guy? He's for got first-round talent, yeah. physical Eighth talent. overall pick. A guy, you get a guy like Brian Dable and Wing Martindale, and they'll say, listen, we got him. And that's, that's the way NFL coaches are. Like, I can fix this guy. Give us a chance. And certainly, I don't care who it is on the Giants roster, Isaiah Simmons is going to be a better athlete than the guy. Mm-hmm. So, we'll, so the Giants got to feel like, hey, that's if, if force yeah. comes to worst, at least the guy can cover kicks. Upside. Upside, right? yeah. Corey Davis, former New York Jets wide receiver, announced he's retiring yesterday. He was a fifth overall pick in the first round of the 2017 NFL Draft. He played for the Titans for a few seasons before playing for the Jets for a season. Um, 
announced that he was stepping away from football. And in his post that he put on Twitter and on Instagram, he said that he's been doing some soul searching for some time, um, man a few words, but feels that it's best to step away from the game. Um, Thanking his family and friends and the Jets organization for supporting him through this process. Yeah, it's top 10 pick in the draft. um, 28 years old. I, I got to tell you, this Brownie and I have been talking about this a lot lately with, with Brandon Shell retiring, a couple other guys around the league retiring, and now you know you've got Corey Davis stepping away, and he was he was a high draft pick, so he signed a, an extremely lucrative deal even as a rookie, and you just are reminded how difficult this game is, and you get a young guy, twenty eight years old. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, man, I don't know if I want to do it anymore. I got – you look at your bank account. You've made a lot of money through doing it. it. It, The game just asks so much of these young guys, and some of them are just done giving it. And just call it quits. I'll never – I'll never criticize a guy for retiring, that's mm-hmm. for sure. In 2021, he signed a three-year deal with the New York Jets for $37.5 million. His best season with the Titans came in 2020 when he had 984 receiving yards. Last year for the Jets, he had 536 receiving yards and two touchdowns, 32 receptions. Uh, So some news out of Jets camp over there. Also, 49ers news. According to reports, Trey Lance has lost the quarterback to battle. Sam Darnold has won that. And Trey Lance apparently not at practice yesterday for the 49ers. News also out of the 49ers in San Francisco is that they will try to seek some trade options right. for a guy like Trey Lance, who I th- want to say they, they traded a few picks to move up for him in the NFL draft when they drafted they him. They moved up to the third pick in the 2021 draft and took Trey Lance. And, and, they, and he was supposed to replace Jimmy Garoppolo. Which he did. He had a few games, and then he got hurt, and then Brock Purdy came in. And Brock Purdy did what Brock Purdy did, won the job. Yeah, that's a that's a big swing and a miss. And Trey Lance was going to be. Yeah, that's a big swing and a miss <laughs> uh, for the for the Niners on a quarterback. Um, but I get it. Yeah, it, it, the Bills franchise. We went through it for a couple of decades, looking for the right guy, trying to find a franchise quarterback. And you think for sure you've got this guy pegged, and he's going to be the guy, and he looks good, and it's going to be great. And it doesn't. It just doesn't work out for any one of a million reasons. And the, now, the, now it happens to other teams as well, not just the Bills. Uh, Trey Lance, the number third overall pick in the draft, and they're moving on. And he got beat out by Sam Darnold and Brock Purdy, who is close to being a, a guy named Mr. Irrelevant. I mean, he was drafted so low. So it's it, – it's unbelievable how badly teams can miss on these guys. They traded three first-round picks and one third-rounder to move up in the NFL draft in the 2021 draft to acquire the number three pick, which they used on Trey Lance. The thing is, is with a guy like this, do you think he got the shot that he deserved? Trey Lance? Yeah. Absolutely. More so. He got more than his – he got more so than he deserved because because of the investment they had in him. He he might have been out of there two years ago had he not 
had they not traded up, if they would have waited their turn and drafted him in the second or third round or fourth round or wherever he was available to, at their regular pick, he would be out of there already. But there's, there's three first-round picks and a third in there. They had to give him every possible chance, and they brought him along slowly as well. I mean, they gave him every chance to apply himself, to get better in the offseason, to make his way and get good enough, practice, watch film, learn the offense, watch other guys run the offense while he's sitting there in this incubation process, and he couldn't get it done. So he got more than enough chance. He got, he got the kind of chances that you get when you cost what he cost them. But he had a season-ending ankle injury last year. He really just had one year. You're going to move up in the draft and trade three first-round picks Give your guy one year, then you have a season-ending injury, and then Brock Purdy comes in, and then your next season, he's not even going to be your quarterback, too? Let's wait. That's crazy. He, he couldn't beat out Brock Purdy or Sam Darnold. Well, Brock Purdy caught Sam luck Darnold. in a bottle. Sam Darnold. I mean, listen, you got to play. You can't just – you got to play. And these guys are watching these guys all the time. They're watching them all the time. And all of a sudden, I you, just you think get to the point where every guy that you've brought in, Jimmy Garoppolo, Brock Purdy, Sam Darnold, all the other guys that they've had over the years, Trey Lance couldn't beat a single one of them out. The only reason he got the job last year is because everybody felt it was gone. They got rid of everybody who could possibly – Beat him out. And then the guy they brought in off the – Brock Purdy, who is just a, char, a Charlie bag of donuts, has now stolen the job from him. I would just think if you spent that much on him, you would maybe want to keep him around for just a little bit longer, even if he's not going to be the starting quarterback. But, hey, if you can trade <laughs> and you can find something for him, then – Maybe you're doing the right job. I get it, yeah. But to trade three first-round picks. This is his third year. And he's off your team in his third NFL season. Dude didn't even get through his rookie contract with his original team. And he's out of the door. You might, be, you might say, and I'll say this too. Who's, there, whose fault is every, it? His fault or the coach's? Well, it's... Or both. It's a good question. It's a fair question because I think... In San Francisco, with Kyle Shanahan, this, they've got a roster that is ready to win now. They ain't gonna, they're not there about developing some young guy and wait until, wait until his fifth year, his third year. In the third year, even coming off an injury, you, mentally you should be way out ahead of everything. And he's just, he doesn't seem like he is. I don't know. I think year three, even if you're not going to be a starter, you've moved all your chips to the middle, and you said, we're all in on this guy. I understand they've got the pieces. I understand they're, they're in win-now mode, but I think it's, it's crazy for them to now move on yeah. with the guy that you traded so much for to move up in the draft for. And now you're like, you know what? We're going to see if other teams want him because we don't want him. Ugh. Uh, 
Why did you do it in the first place? There's the question. All right, we've got a lot more left in our show today. We're just getting started. Remember, our question for the day is what position battle do you want to see decided in Saturday's preseason finale? Give us a call at 803-0550 or tweet at us. We're coming back next on One Bills Live. We're presented by Clyde Health on Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, we're back on One Bills Live. We're still talking talk about, about Brock Purdy Brock and Pur- Trey Lance and Sam Darnold. You think Brock Purdy Donald. is unexplainable? Yes, because I think as a quarterback, there are some quarterbacks who just come out of the woodworks who got drafted way lower than how they're playing on the like field. Kirk Cousins. Like Kirk Cousins. Fourth rounder. And you really can't explain it. Tom Brady, sixth rounder. The scouts just missed out on what they what they saw on the field was not – how this guy is playing in the NFL today. Who knows how long Brock Purdy is going to right, so look incredible in a 49ers saying, uniform for so and be the you, starter of just, this team. Let me just point out what you're saying here. You're saying Brock Purdy with all of like at the time of this these with all of 8 months with the 49ers. He is being I don't know, what do you say, coddled? I mean, he just got promoted, just let, let him play. As, as opposed to Trey Lance, who they invested three first-round picks into I don't and think three years of his career. And now Trey, because Brock Purdy came in and eight months did what Trey Lance has never been able to do, you think Trey Lance is being mistreated. Okay, Trey Lance <laughs> has played in... <laughs> Eight NFL games. I know. He started in four in his career. He also had an injury in the first season that he played in the NFL in 2021. He was coming in, coming out of games. He was coming in for Jimmy G when Jimmy G would come off the field. There was that first game that he played in, a significant time, which was week five, week four of the 2021 season. He relieved Jimmy G, who came off the field and was hurt. They lost that game. so then he kept playing, but then he was injured in week seven. So this guy didn't really even see consistency in his first NFL season. Then in the 2022 season, he played in two games before suffering a season-ending ankle injury. So there's also no consistency with that. And then he comes back in 2023 to compete, does not win quarterback two job, according to reports. Sam Darnold beats him out. Brock Purdy is going to be the starter for the 49ers. Brock Purdy has also played in only nine NFL games, has started in five, so he's made more starts than Trey Lance. Um, Do you know exactly what you have in Brock Purdy yet? You don't. You don't. He's played one NFL season. Not even one. He's played part of an NFL season. I think, sure, you could see – the writing on the walls in training camp, like this this guy is going to be our guy, but he's only played one NFL season. I'm not saying that Trey Lance is the answer for the 49ers. I'm just saying how can you bail on how him. can you bail on him when you invested so much in him from the from the start, from the jump. Your scouts believed in him. Your coaching staff believed in him. Your owner probably believed in him as well. And now you're just you're done with it. Yeah. And Brock Purdy has had about the same amount of experience 
Sure, he's played better when he's been on the field. It, it was really fun to watch him in those first few games when he came out. It was like, who is this guy that right. is wheeling and dealing for the 49ers? But let's go back to Josh Allen and what Josh Allen did in his first few seasons as a Buffalo Bill. After year one, it was like, this guy is raw. Things need to... Things need to get better for him. Completion percentage was a big deal for Josh in his first year. Need to get that number up. Need to get the consistency up. Need to get the chemistry up with his wide receivers. The Bills didn't know after year one with Josh Allen, is this going to be our guy for the future? Uh, I don't know. See, here's the thing. It takes a couple seasons uh, I, to know that. I get 18, his rookie season, they didn't want him to play. He was forced to play because of – the Nathan Peterman debacle. And so then he goes in at 18. And by the end of – and you could see even casual fans – let's let's go back to Josh. I mean, you could see the potential, Even casual fans could see Josh Allen play better from one week to the next week to the next week to the next week to the next week. By the end of 18, remember – he he single-handedly almost beat the Miami Dolphins, and it was – it was a drop touchdown at the last play of the game off the guy's face mask, the, the tight end for the Bills. Um, I can't remember his name. The tight end for the Bills off his face mask, or the Bills win that game. That's the one where Josh ran circles around Kiko Alonso all day. He almost did that single-handedly. So at the end of that season, his rookie season, you know what? That's the guy. Forget about everything. That's the guy. You knew it at the end of his rookie season. Now, 2019, they came in, and they had some work to do. But in 19, they got to the playoffs, too, mm-hmm. behind Josh. And that remember, they, they had a 16-point lead at halftime of the Texans game, right, in that playoff. So all of that stuff going on. Josh was the guy, and you could tell he was getting better and better and better. There was a top end that he was going to reach. You could tell that early on. So you and I sitting here in Buffalo, we don't watch Trey Lance practice. We ain't watched all his starts. We didn't watch him in the preseason, all that. So we can't say we know about Trey Lance, what we knew about Josh at the time. But somebody out there is watching him, and they don't think they don't think he can outplay. And I hate to chuckle. Yes, I'd hate to chuckle when I say Sam Darnold. But Sam Darnold. So I I get it that Trey Lance has got some athletic ability. He's got a live arm, no question. And he might even be a kind of a cooler, kind of slick backup to Josh because he's more like Josh, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't know that I can say the Niners have mucked it up with him. You know, I mean, if Jimmy Garoppolo can keep you on the bench, bro, you got to do some soul searching. You know, if, if Sam Darnold beats you out of an offense that you've been running, this being your third year, and Sam Darnold comes in and beats you out. That you got some serious soul searching. But is it really his third year if he was out like all of last well, season? Out doesn't mean he was on Mars. I mean, he's in the building right. watching. He's watching right. film. He's with these guys. I mean, he knows this stuff. You got to be able to execute something you've been in and around for three years. I, and I'm not saying he's a total loss. And and I. We'll see how Jimmy Garoppolo plays in Vegas. Mm-hmm. But Jimmy's not setting the world on fire, or hasn't yet. His greatest claim to fame was that Bill Belichick was going to trade Tom Brady and keep him. Or so to sp- so we've heard. Yeah, yeah. 
So I, I don't know. I I'm not. I'm have a hard time. Like, and I and I get it too. Being Trey Lance is, and I I don't want to laugh, make a joke, but Trey, being him is tough. You get traded to the San Francisco 49ers, traded up for by the San Francisco 49ers. They give up three ones and a three. How are you going to live up to that? Right. How are you going to, unless you are a Josh Allen or a Lamar Jackson or a Pat Mahomes or a Joe Burrow or even a Justin Herbert, you can't, you, you, you don't live up to it. Anything less than getting your team wins by your own two hands without any help from your teammates, like Josh has done, like Mahomes has done, mm-hmm. you know, you're not going to live up to three firsts and a third. So there's that. Man, oh, man, three years is a long time, though. Yeah. I think it's a bigger question on the 49ers. This what is, now, what see, were this you is thinking? Be, I think this is going to be his fourth year, right? This will be. No, this is this is year three for him. Okay. All right. That does make it. I, I get it. So it's two full seasons. Yeah. Where he's played in eight games and started in four across two seasons. Brock has started in five and played in nine in his first season last year. And the point that I make about Josh and early on in his career isn't to say that we didn't know if Josh was going to be the guy. It's how does this improve from year to year? And the Bills were able to see that in Josh from year one to year two to year three. Brock Purdy is entering year two in his NFL career. What we saw in nine games from him was insane. Can he do that in year two? I mean. Well, here's the thing. Hope so for the 49ers' sake. The 49ers thing. But here's the thing, Maddie. He can't just do that. He's going to have to do He's more. He's got to take it to the next yeah, level. Yeah, you got to go. You got to go. You got to keep going. Completed 67% of his passes. You got to keep going. Because I think, even with Kyle Shanahan, who's a brilliant play caller and offensive mind, even with him pulling the strings, you got to be able to give Kyle Shanahan more at his disposal because of your skill set. You got to expand so that the offense can go new places. There's also a lot of pressure on him this year on a young guy in year two in your NFL career when you didn't know you'd be the starter when you when, when you came onto the team. You were you were backing people up and then. The guy you were backing up got hurt, so it was your time to go in because there was nobody else who could play at that position, and now you're entering your second NFL season, and you're a part of a team, which is awesome to be a part of a team who is in win-now mode. Well, that's just it. There's pressure because it's win-now. It's pressure. Go ahead. See what you can do, yeah. seventh-round pick. Yeah, that's, that's where the pressure comes from. They're, they got their go-to win the Super Bowl. They, you got people pick Aaron Schatz picking the Bills and the Niners in the Super Bowl. I mean, you got some guys, people who are, you know, looking at that roster saying, you're the pro- if there's a problem, it's you. I mean, he was the final pick in the 2022 NFL draft. And have all this riding on his coattails, that's a lot. Good for him. Good for him. Yeah. But I, you're right, though. I, I, he does gain a little something by go, taking the Niners where they went last year in those nine games because he was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I guess the here and now always outweighs the what you did for me back then and Trey Lance and the investment they put in Trey Lance. I mean, they're still paying that price. 
um, and to to have him be the third guy, and and they're saying like we'll listen to offers on him. Man, oh man, things change a lot in twenty four yeah. months. What's going to happen? What's his future going to be? I hope that he goes to a team where where you are around the right coaching staff who can mold you into the player that oh, wait, you know, wait, is the best version of that. yourself. What? How come that coaching staff can mold Brock Purdy and not Trey Lance? That's the question. Yeah, that's the. It's 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 him. It's not Brock Purdy. It's not Kosh. It's him. That's the. That's the where it's at. If you're in a place for two full years and you can't hold off the last guy drafted and a guy who's been a bust at two different stops, it's you. It's not Kyle Shanahan. It's not the Niners. It's you. That's and that's where that's why he is on the trading block, in my opinion. I, it doesn't make him a bad guy. But it ain't working in San Francisco, yeah. and it well, works for other guys in San Francisco. Maybe he can go somewhere else and, and find the right people because it, it's not. It wasn't whether it's him or whether it's the 49ers or whether it's both of them. There may be a better match out there for you. you know who, That's all I'm right, saying. Think about this: Who do we know who's now a head coach who had great success molding a young quarterback? Brian Dable in New York Giants. Yeah. I, that 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 throws a little pebble into the calm waters of my mind. <laughs> There's little ripples going all <laughs> that I, I could see. Now I don't know that the Niners would love him in the, but the NFC East better than the NFC West, wherever else. If the if and the the Giants just traded for Isaiah Simmons, the guy we were talking about in the opening segment. Which I'm excited to see how he works in that yeah, defense. I am too. We'll see. And That's I, cool. Trey Lance would be really intriguing. Tri- and uh, it'll be intriguing to see to wherever he goes. Yeah, it will. Yeah, that. that and maybe he's just a bust, and that's 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 his yeah. NFL story. Maybe, but the New He'll York Giants have that guy somewhere. who knows how to fix guys. So yep. we'll see. Interesting. All right, I'm done talking about this. I promise. Right, I promise. We're moving on to Bill's focused content, talking about the position groups that you want to see decided on Saturday afternoon against the Chicago Bears in Buffalo's final preseason game before they head into the regular season week one against the Jets on Monday night. It's right around the corner. Don't go anywhere. We're one Bills live. We're presented by Collide Health on Buffalo Bills Radio. The Buffalo Sabres will honor the life and career of former play-by-play announcer Rick Jenneret on Sunday, August 27th at KeyBank Center with a special tribute featuring roundtable conversations with broadcasters and alumni. Remembering RJ, the man behind the mic, will begin at 5 o'clock with doors opening at 3.30. General admission tickets are free to the public and are now available. The event will also air on MSG and stream live on Sabres.com as well as the team's official social platforms. As part of special programming, alumni in attendance will share stories of the Sabres' legendary broadcaster who passed away August 17th at the age of 81. That's going to be an incredible night to be a part of. I'm looking forward to seeing the stories that come out of that. 
so many people have a story to tell about RJ. I didn't really get to know RJ that well. I came in in 2019, so Mm -hmm. I think I got to meet him maybe in passing once or twice. Um, But if you talk to anybody who is from this area, who was born here, a lot of people will say... I used to do RJ calls in my driveway. He's the reason why I love the Sabres. He's the reasons, reason why I love sports. He's the reason why I love hockey. And I think when you hear multiple people say something that say something like that about one person, it means that they were an, an incredible human and they did a really good job at their job. Yeah, and it, it it's rare i think in these days for a play-by-play guy to become a part of the team's identity uh when they come on the air and and so many it was an era where not every sabers game was on tv so you had to listen listen, to it you had to listen and he was the personality of the team he was he gave you an insight as to what they were like and and his interest and his enthusiasm was your enthusiasm Mm -hmm. And I, and I think that's a lost art uh, for the most part because, you know, there's so many, you know, there, well, there's too many people telling play-by-play guys they can't be like that anymore, right? you gotta yeah. be, you got to be uh, objective. And I'm, I, I love a homer call. I mean, I, I, when we do the games on TV, Andrew Catalan and I, I'm un- I'm unapologetic homer for the Bills. <laughs> I, you know, it's our team. I love these guys. That, that other team stinks. I'm not going to mention them, right? So mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I get that from guys like Rich Jennerette, who gives you license to do that. He yeah. did it. I, I liked it. That's why I love it. I'm going to do it too. So, um, yeah, it's part of a, the heritage of people in Buffalo. I've been in Buffalo pushing between 35 and 40 years. I can't remember exactly. But, yeah, it's – yeah, it's part of my heritage with as a hockey fan yeah. too. Yeah. He had a big impact on this community um, and played a big role, I think, in a lot of people and their fandom around the Sabers and and why they love this team. A lot of exciting things ahead for the Sabers. I'm pumped about the season that they're going to have. All right, let's get into our tweet sheet here. Um, it's brought to you by the Corgan Moving Systems, the official equipment moving company of the Buffalo Bills. And our question today, what position battle do you want to see decided in Saturday's preseason finale? We'll go first from Jake. He says, I really wish the middle linebacker position battle would get figured out. If I were Bean, I would have pulled the trigger on a seventh for Isaiah Simmons. I don't think we have the talent on the team right now for a middle linebacker to not be a target for opposing offenses. Isaiah Simmons and Buffalo, hmm, that would be interesting because I believe they could they could find a role for him. I think Sean McDermott's going to be a great defensive coordinator. Yeah. Um, I think – you know, positionless football, positionless players with what offenses are throwing out there to tight end sets, um, slot receivers that don't look like slot receivers, things like that. You could find a role for a guy like Isaiah Simmons. But focusing on this team, on the middle linebacker position, the guys that they have in it, we've seen a lot from Tyrell Dodson and A.J. Klein because Terrell Bernard really hasn't been in the mix. Um, Balin Spector still getting some time there a little bit, but not as much as Tyrell Dodson and A.J. Klein. Uh, So still a big question 
there with who is going to start at that position. Dorian Williams was getting some reps in the beginning, but they kind of said, you know, we're going to move him to the weak side, have him learn that, and then in the future, maybe he will move over to that middle linebacker spot. But right now we just want him to learn the defense because that's a big enough task as it is. Yeah. I, this middle linebacker thing is is I think Terrell Bernard really threw a wrench into yeah. it when he got hurt because they needed to see what he could do. And, and nobody has really gripped it and taken it away from the others. And I don't think – but I, even having said that, I don't think there's any – I don't think anybody feels any – I don't think there's any clutch, pearl clutching over having a guy to play there that can really get it done. Because uh, those guys played when Tremaine didn't play when he mm-hmm. was here. Um, and they've been in this system. So I think they have a certain level of trust in these guys, whoever it is, Bernard, Dodson, or Klein. Uh, I don't think there's any hesitancy about using any of those guys. Uh, but like I said, none of them is significant, at this point significantly better than the other two. So I'm, I don't think that's a reason for concern. I just think it's uh, – Here's a question. Yeah, I just think it's something they got to deal with. Do you think the, there's a world where they could rotate at that position? That's what they did last year with the cornerbacks. We saw Dane Maybe. Jackson, we saw Christian Benford, and we saw Kyrie Elam all play at yeah. that position. It's a fair question. They they could and give them situations. Mm-hmm. It's play to their strengths. Guys have if, strengths. If, yeah. If Dodson's better in coverage, put him in on third and long. If 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 the reverse is true, if Terrell. Bernard, Bernard yeah. is better at coverage. Put him in in third and long, that kind of thing. If first down you put Dodson in or first down you put Bernard in or put Klein in and whatever. So, yeah, you could see, see him doing that. Or it could be more like the cornerback rotation you said mm-hmm. where it would be a series here, a series yeah. there. You take every down yeah. and distance for a stretch of the game. I don't think you can do that with every dif- defense. I think you can do that with defenses that have veteran players in it. I think this defense has a lot of veteran players in it, and I think you can get away with something like that, rotating guys in depending on their strengths, depending on the type of team that we're going to be playing against, Um, which those offenses, they look different from week to week. So maybe you want to go with one guy this week. Maybe you want to go with another guy the next week. We're going to take a break here when we come back. Coming up. 2.30-ish, we're going to hear from Quentin Morris. He spoke to the media today after practice. So don't go anywhere on One Bills Live. We're presented by Clyde Health. This is Buffalo Bills Radio. Live, presented by Kaleida Health. Welcome back into One Bills Live. Maddie Glab alongside Steve Tasker as we take you through the final hour of today's show. We've got a question for you. What position battle do you want to see decided in Saturday's preseason finale? Who do you want to see win the job? What do you want to see settled ahead of the 
cuts to the final 53 on Tuesday afternoon. That's August 29th. Uh, Jack says he'd like to see the middle linebacker battle settled, but he says with Bernard and Williams likely out, I expect it to not be resolved. That's Terrell Bernard and Doreen Williams. He says Sal Capaccio has wondered on air if the starting Mike linebacker may currently not be on the roster. I, he also says, I would like to see the bottom two wide receiver wide receivers settled on Saturday. Andy Isabella, Justin Shorter, and Tyrell Shavers. Sounds like Shakir may not go. Yes, Khalil Shakir has not been practicing this week, so his status for Saturday's game is up in the air at this point. Um, what do you think about the potential of the Mike linebacker not being on the roster yet? I think that's is that a little too late? Just too late. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think that's – now, they, that doesn't say they won't bring a guy in, but he ain't starting on opening day. Yeah. There's no way. There's no way. Opening day is September no 11th. Today got, is August 24th. After everything we've seen about what that is, um, all these guys coming in. And, and these guys have some have some pedigree. A.J. Klein's been in the league for a long time, knows this defense really well. Dodson has been here for, his, for like three or four years in this system playing behind Tremaine Edmonds. Matikevich has been in there playing. Um, and now Terrell Bernard is going into his second full, finishing up his second full training camp and having played on the team for an entire year. So you're not going to have somebody come in and get the depth of knowledge they need. Balen Spector is still in the building. You're not going to have anybody come in and know what they need to know about this defense to any stretch the way any of these guys do. Um, plus, in the intangibles, defensive coordinators everywhere. And I'm, we haven't specifically asked Sean McDermott about this, but you want a guy at middle linebacker who is known and respected by his teammates. I, he's telling them what to do, and there's a lot in that. There's a lot. It means it means something more than just getting the play call. I had a defensive coordinator say, "Listen, he was a good dude. I like this, but why is my like why is my leader this guy this alpha dog on my defense? Why is he standing next to me on the sidelines on third down? Mm-hmm. You know, I, that's not the guy if he's yeah. doing that. They want a guy who is." Like it, just what the name say, he, they want a lead dog. Mm-hmm. He's got to be a dog, and he's got to lead all that stuff. Forget about the radio and the helmet. He's got to have a voice that cuts through eighty thousand people. You know what he's talking about, or you, or when he looks at you, without saying anything, you get the message. It's got to be one of those kind of guys, you know. So there's a lot in that spot, and to say the guy's not on the roster right now. Yeah, I, and there's just no, there's no possible way you can convince me, unless there's some blockbuster trade, that they're gonna have. There's a guy out there who could do that. Um, on, uh, and it may change as the weeks go on. But for opening night, for Monday right now, night football, yeah. MetLife Stadium, nine eleven against the Jets and Aaron Rodgers, they ain't no. It's gonna be somebody that's in the room right this minute. Another good point that Jack brings up is the competition between the guys fighting it out for the final couple wide receiver spots on this roster. You got some guys Mm -hmm. that you know are locks at the position. The question of the wide receiver group 
one of the big questions for the group is how many wide receivers are you going to keep on this roster this year? And who are the guys that are your last two in? Are you keeping six? Are you keeping more? Are you keeping less? He points out Andy Isabella, Justin Shorter, Tyrell Shavers. Justin Shorter was a draft pick by the Bills this year. Andy Isabella came in pretty late, two weeks ago to the team, I want to say. He's got some speed. Tyrell Shavers has been a guy who's, who's made some good plays throughout camp. I want to say he's been pretty consistent in what I can see. Justin Shorter, as of late, I think has been a little bit more consistent. Had a nice game against Pittsburgh Steelers. What do you think about fighting it out for those final couple spots on the roster for that well, wide receiver position group? There's a lot of guys. Yes, there's a for lot of guys. Who, one or two spots, and they've all flashed yeah, to me. There's, they've all had there's their like, moments with the 13 guys on the roster. I, I can maybe think of one or two, maybe that I can't remember saying, "Wow, look at that guy." Mm -hmm. You know, uh, all of them. And so you think the only three guys they brought back were Diggs, Davis, and Shakir. Mm -hmm. Everybody else is brand new. There's no, there's no John Brown. There's no Cole Beasley. There's, you know, those guys are all gone. There's no uh, Isaiah McKenzie. Those guys are all gone. So they only have three guys that are incumbents. And, I, and Justin Shorter is the exact same draft status as Khalil Shakir. So which one of those outweighs the other if they're equal? Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and then you've got Andy Isabella, who was a higher drowned draft pick by another team, and he got uh, he was off Arizona, went to Baltimore, and was with them for a, a cup of coffee. Like this, he was he was there this last off season. It seemed like the moment he left Baltimore, he was on the Bills. So that, I think they were eager to grab him. And when he showed up, I mean, obviously, they, they knew what they were getting. He's fast. He's, got, he's, he's flashed big time. I think he's almost assured a roster spot. But, I, you know, I, what do I know? He was a second-round pick by yeah. the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, that, and he's got the abilities, the, the athleticism mm -hmm. to warrant a second-round pick. Yep. He's got speed, that's for sure. Yeah. Cole Shakir was drafted by the Bills in the fifth round. So was Justin Shorter. Justin Shorter was drafted in this year's NFL draft. Khalil Shakir was last year. He put some tape together uh, last year for the Bills. I want to say he had like 10 catches. It wasn't too much, but you started mm -hmm. to see that uptick um, toward the end of the year when you really started to see a little bit more out of all the rookies when they hit the field uh, for the Bills. James Cook is included in that as well as Kyir Elam and Christian Benford. Christian Benford kind of came on strong, but Kyir Elam flashed a little bit at the end of the year. Uh, so did James Cook. Uh, bummer that we're not going to see Khalil Shakir on the field on Saturday. We don't know that for sure. Um, bummer if we do not see him. He hasn't been practicing this week. Um, so we'll see yeah. maybe if... Shakir Something had, happens tomorrow, and had he's 10 good to go. Catches for 160 yards. Yeah. So, um, yeah. The last couple spots of that wide receiver group—that's going to be interesting because it's, it's the question of how many guys do you keep and who do you like based on what you already have on the roster. Another guy, Bills news consolidated. 
says Osiris Torrance will get his third test against a weak Bears front that the Buffalo Bills dominated with a run-pass option last year. He will also get his second taste of starting with a Josh Allen-led offense. Football is won in the trenches. So this is in regard to that right guard battle going on between Osiris Torrance and Ryan Bates. When asked about Ryan Bates, I think it was Sean McDermott or Ken Dorsey might have said this, is even if Ryan Bates does not win that right guard battle, they still envision that he will play a role on this team for years to come. And I think that means that they really look up to him with the depth that he can offer on this team. There's very few guys that can rotate along the offensive line like Ryan Bates can. Yeah, I don't think it's a question of who's going to make the team. I think it's a question of who's going to play. Who's going to be that guy. I think Torrance has greater physical abilities and and has – played well enough to warrant more snaps. They were I, happy with what they yeah, saw I him against what, the Steelers. Osiris seems to me a guy who, with his physical abilities, is just better set up to handle those inside rushers and, and the big weight that those guys are down inside. And I think Bates is a guy they want they would rather have as first guy in because it doesn't matter what position gets hurt. And he gives them some flexibility at other positions. They know they've got a sixth guy, no matter where he needs to go. And if, if say, for instance, Deion Dawkins goes down, you can have a swing tackle with mm-hmm. Kessenberry or Vandermark mm-hmm. or whoever it may be to move from side to side. But inside, Bates could play center, guard, or whatever. And then, you know, David Edwards could be uh, a guy that you could you hang on to as well. He could be either guard as well. So – um, they, I think they've got their neck deep in really good players. And Osiris Torrance's physical gifts put him at the top of the list just because he can stand up to big-time defensive tackles, and, and the Bills are going to see a ton of those. And I love to see the Bills see and realize that they're, they're getting what they wanted out of Osiris Torrance. Um, they're, they're seeing – what they saw on tape when they started right. to scout him and, and started to think about, okay, this is a guy that maybe can can work on our roster. We like we like the traits, we like his size, we like that he can he can he can still be quick um, with the stature that he has, with the type of body type that he plays with. Um, and I love that they've been able that they've seen that translate already. Sometimes for rookies, it, it takes a little bit longer for an offensive lineman to to come into the NFL and play with these big bad guys up on the defensive line and, and get it get a taste of what it's like to go up against some of the best right. NFL players. The Steelers are no joke on the defensive line. They've got TJ Watt on their team. Yeah, like you're going up against some guys. Yeah, yeah they And for well, them yeah. to be happy with with what he did against the Steelers on Saturday. Unfortunately that was a loss for the Bills, but just like with some of the other rookies for Dalton Kincaid to be playing the way that he's played in training camp, for Osiris Torrance to still be in this battle with with a veteran on this team, I think says you're doing you're doing the right job, scouting staff. You're bringing in these yeah. guys who it's translating on the field in training camp. They're playing with some of the best players in the NFL. They're rotating and 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 in battles against some veteran players, and and you're seeing it work out. And hopefully we can continue to see that once the NFL season begins but 
kind of already to be able to see like, yeah, we made the right pick with this guy. I love yeah. that that's happening for this team. You don't forget, he's 6'5", 347. <laughs> he's big. I mean, he's really big. And Brownie has said in the other days, he said, you know, this is the year of the defensive tackle. He had like four or five guys sign brand new deals, and they're all like $20 million players. They're big and athletic, and you got to have a guy like that inside your on your offense who can stand up to it. Mitch yep. Morse is 6'5", three bills. Uh, and on the other side, Connor McGovern is the same thing. Connor McGovern is a big dude. He's 6'5", 318. The Bills got bigger and more athletic down inside this offseason and younger. And that's a big help to a guy like Morse, who's not young. And with Bates in there the, to back him up with David Edwards standing at the ready to come mm-hmm. in, they, they stay big even when they go to their second-line players. So I think Osiris Torrance has been a real – it's been everything they thought he would be and hopefully a little bit more. Yeah. Um, I, I've been impressed with his athleticism. You watch his highlights. He's got strong hands. Um, he's got strong hands. He's got a good and he stands anchor up point. Bull, he bull rushes. But yeah. also when the guy starts to go side to side and try and fake him out, his feet are quick enough to yeah. keep him in front. Like, mm-hmm. he can go side to side quick for a 350-pound dude. Yeah. He's sturdy, too. That's been, that's been the most impressive thing for me because while you play guard, there's not that much room in there because you got a tackle on the outside and a center on the inside. There's, when, once that ball snaps, they start to stuff spread happens out. Yeah. There. His athleticism and lateral movement have been really impressive to me and his ability to recover. So he's, I think he's exactly the guy they thought he would be, and, um, and I think he's – He's going to be the guy going in uh, just by the fact now that he's taking all those snaps with the number ones mm-hmm. and he's not, he's not giving them up. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what that looks like on Saturday the, against the Bears if, if that changes at all in the rotation that we see up there with Josh and the offensive line. It almost seems now, too, Maddie, that you know McGovern's not rotating out, Mitch Morris ain't rotating out. Dion and maybe Spencer we're starting Brown. to see what the group and looks Osiris like. Cyrus is not rotating out. I mean, they don't rotate guys. They've kind of stopped – to me, at least on in the games, they've stopped mm-hmm. throwing different. Now, once once Josh, once Josh comes out comes and stuff, off, now everybody yeah. starts rotating yeah. in this, yeah. and you'll have the same guys in playing different spots and all that. But while while the Josh was in there, you're not rotating any of those guys up front, and that's that tells a lot to me. Here's a sneaky battle that is is really could just be going on because Connor McGovern got hurt. Um, we don't know what his status is for the game. Sean McDermott said that he was not going to be practicing today. We didn't see him at practice, at least on on the field practicing. Um, Sean McDermott also said, you know, we're not sure what the timetable is here. We're just going to see how it goes. So let's go Buffalo says now that Connor McGovern is hurt. I'd like to see both David Edwards and Alec Anderson get to work at guard. Also, I'd like to see Richard Goriage work at right tackle. I think CB2 is decided. Uh, let's talk about that left guard spot with the absence of Connor McGovern. Um, if you're on the depth chart on buffalobills.com, Connor McGovern is a first-teamer. David Edwards is a second-teamer. Ike Bucker is a third-teamer. Alec Anderson is listed as a third-teamer on center. But, yes, we have seen a lot of shifting, a lot of rotating. Like you said, Steve, once Josh Allen came out of the game against the Steelers and Matt Barkley and Kyle Allen came in, we did see a lot of shifting, a lot of rotating. What does that look like at left guard if Connor McGovern is not able to go on Saturday? Yeah, I would say David Edwards gets plugged right in uh, to left guard, and he's 
every bit as big as those guys I was talking about. He's another. He was. He started for the world champion Rams two years ago mm-hmm. uh, at guard. So he's he's a big dude and he's got some experience. That's what I would expect. I I think Alec Anderson. You said it. Alec Anderson played tackle at UCLA uh, as a college senior. Came to the Bills, and last year was his first year. He was a rookie last year, and they you know they worked him at tackle. They gave him right tackle, a few reps at left tackle, some guard, you know all that. This year he's been guard, and what he looks like to me, and I, it looks like they're trying to get Alec Anderson to be the exact kind of player Ryan Bates is, where he could. Because he's a smart kid and tough, you can put him at guard, you can put him at tackle, you can put him at center, and he's going to compete hard. And he's got, some, he's got big enough physical abilities to, to do that. Um, he strikes me as the kind of guy with the mentality of a Ryan Bates that he's going to be a guy that you can plug and play, and he's going to have – that's going to be his call, calling card. Um, he'll be smart, tough, and able to play five different positions on the offensive line. So uh, – and I think, having said that, I think that's what goes on behind the scenes if, if a lot of people don't put thought into this. Aaron Cromer is trying to get all f- 10 or whatever, however, well, how many guys are there? There's offensive line, there's 18, 16 guys. Woo. He's trying to get all 16 of those guys to play their best at whatever position mm-hmm. they have or whatever combination of positions they have. And he's giving them the reps that will allow them to do that. And, we, and I'm noticing Alec Anderson, you know, playing different slots. That's his best ticket to being the best pro he can be is maybe not having one position where he gets slotted in like an Osiris Torrance, but letting him use his intelligence and his toughness to be able to play five spots so that he'll get a roster spot and, that, and start there with a roster spot. And then when you get a chance to start because of injury or whatever, then you stake your claim and you stay there like an Ike Butker did before his Achilles injury, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, that's, those are kind of the stories that go on behind the scenes when they're trying to f- formulate this roster. It's not just about formulating the roster. It's about developing your players. And, you know, guys like Alec Anderson and the, the tweet that we just read is one of those guys that could benefit from a, a minor injury ahead of them. You may need some guys to step up in, ab- in the absence of Connor McGovern and Brandon Shell retiring and Tommy Doyle out for the season. This gives opportunities for younger guys to get some some important and valuable reps in live tape, live game action against a team like the Chicago Bears. These are opportunities where you can step up and you can shine. You can you can show your worth, your value. Every NFL team values depth at that offensive line position because that's a place where you're going to need more than five guys in a season. I think we've talked about it before. You, you need almost seven sure guys at that position because of the wear and tear that happens on offensive linemen through an entire NFL season, through an 18-week season. It's not easy to do with just five. You're lucky if you get through the NFL season with a true five. Um, We've seen a sixth and a seventh rotate in multiple times for this team. Um, So we'll see where Alec Anderson gets to line up on Saturday. well, not, we've seen Tommy Doyle catch touchdown passes. Yeah. Right? I mean, so. <laughs> and Dan Hawkins. Um, so that's, yeah, the, you're trying to find a way to get the guys to play as well as they can play, the best that they can play, fill all the spots you have to fill. That means a, a backup for all five offensive linemen and maybe two backups for all of them if you can get a guy to play swing tackle and if you can get a guy to play swing guard and a guard center as well. So if you get, you know, 
Uh, you got to have a backup for all those. So if you do that, you know, then you can work on just getting everybody to play their best. And that's kind of where they're at right now, I would think. I think most of these guys have fallen into where they the club sees them fitting the best, and it's the, up to them to maximize that spot in this last game and in these last practices before they make the cut. Yeah. All right, coming up next, we'll have sound from tight end Quinton Morris. He met with the media after practice today. So we'll get to him after this break. We're One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. This is Buffalo Bills Radio. Welcome back to One Bills Live. We were telling you we had some Quentin Morris sound. He spoke with the media today after practice. So let's get over to Quentin Morris and hear what he had to say after Thursday's practice. Uh, camp's been great. Um, you know, every year is a new year. You know, we got new guys coming in, and ultimately it's been fun starting with, you know, getting back and going to Rochester and, again, working towards the season, building that bond getting to know the guys uh, and you know ultimately it's been exciting and you know I'm excited for another year. I personally feel it's been my best camp just uh, I feel like I've been more locked in mentally um, you know after having this going on my third year just you know having some time in the offense I'm able to go out there and it's less thinking and more playing fast um, but I like to believe that I've taken a step um, from like, you know, developing my game in the route, route running and catching the ball and also uh, run blocking. How valuable was last year getting you know, some extended playing time during the regular season? How about was that in terms of your confidence? Oh, yeah, it was definitely great. I mean, again, practice is what it is, but nothing's like the game. Um, you know, getting those live full speed reps, um, getting in the live, you know, you know, the bullets, you know, flying and stuff. So being able to think on the fly and, you know, being out there with a guy like Josh and, you know, with Dawson and those two tight end sets. And, um, I mean, it's been definitely helpful. I've, you know, seen a lot, learned a lot, and, you know, continuing to learn. Um, I mean, again, I, I think it's something about, um, you know, bringing in guys that, you know, fit the room. Um, so, obviously, in our room, so we got these bracelets. Uh, we got unselfish and family. Uh, just a couple words that guys in our room use to describe our tight end position. And I feel like that's just one as far as, like, scouting, recruiting, just finding a guy that fits that. And just him being here, uh, of course, first rounder, you know, he's a great player, a baller. Um, but he's never came in here and, you know, just walked over anybody. He's, you know, willing to learn. I mean, he's just a great guy. We hang out a lot. You know, we tease each other a lot. So it, it's been real fun having him around. Being into your third season, playing with Dawson all these years, how have you seen him grow? Uh, I'm, you said Dawson? Dawson. Yeah, Dawson, I mean, I, I love watching. I think he's probably the best. And when it comes to, like, the full tight end position from run blocking to um, you know, catching balls and running routes. I think he's just the best overall. Just, I mean, just seeing from, I know watching some film, we watched him at when he was young and kind of developing. Um, I mean, his technique is just so good. I mean, I, I try my best to, you know, 
simulate that same thing, but he's definitely been the standard in our room and has been a guy that all of us can look up to. Uh, I think we're all similar in some ways and different in, in ways. Uh, you know, I pride myself on, you know, coming from a receiver background. I pride myself on, you know, running routes and, you know, making sure I catch anything that's thrown my way. Um, something that I've been developing, uh, you know, moving a tight end like my junior year and in college at Bowling Green and maybe playing a year and a half because that COVID year under that position and just having to come in and learn from the guys. And uh, Rob's been very great just uh, as far as helping me technique wise. And that's something that I've been trying to improve with my run game footwork and stuff. So I definitely think I've been developing there. And overall, I mean, my job is to, you know, be ready for when my number's called and ultimately special teams is, you know, where I plan on helping. Um, I mean, obviously, I think everybody wants to come in and you know, everybody wants to be a starter. Um, but again, you know, just the nature of the league, you never know what's going to happen. Um, again, I mean, it's a long season and, you know, we, we work through it. And, you know, I'm looking forward to, you know, fulfilling whatever role it is that, you know, the team has for me. And if that's strictly special teams, I'm here for it. If it's, um, you know, getting to run, maybe some 13, 12 personnel, you know, I'm here for that as well. It it definitely is hard. Um, I'll it, it, it's definitely hard because you'll be like Dalton Dawson. I know Rob struggles with it as far as like getting guys in and out of the uh, huddle. He'll be saying Dalton, but on the field, Dalton Dawson sounds exactly alike. Um, so it can be hard. And you know, I call when Dalton first Dalton first came in, I called him DK, but it didn't hit me that that we also called uh, Dawson DK. So, you know, we try to work around it. You got to really enunciate. Sometimes both of them might turn around and eventually one will figure out who we're talking to, so. <laughs> oh yeah, um, so I really acquired a lot in camp. So this one, um, there was a kid that made a bracelet for me. I guess he saw that I always wearing bracelets. So he made one just as, uh, Quentin with my, my name spelled wrong, but you know, his intentions were pure. Um, so it's Q U I N T O N. Uh, you guys remember that issue from my, my second year, uh, my locker. Um, there was a special Olympics. Um, a lot of the kids were out there for one of the training camps and I took a bracelet from one. Well, I didn't take it. He gave it to me and then everybody wanted to give me one. So I got three of those. Uh, I got my unselfish family one for our tight end room. And I think one was tight end U. Dalton gave me this one <laughs> um, at, at a friendship race that I tight end U. And I can't remember what the rest of them were because they've, you know, had some wear and tear and there's no longer words on them. So, so was it like, you know, like the for the No, so it was really, um, you know, we came in, I believe it was first day of OTA or not first day of, it was, it was some day in OTAs, and we kind of went through the whole room and just had guys, you know, speak up about, you know, what would you use to describe our room? And there were, you know, words like family, respect. Um, There's a couple other words, but ultimately we felt like family and respect was, uh, I mean, not respect, uh, family and unselfish was the 
Um, best way to describe our room, just, you know, the tight end position, you know, you got to get in there and block and, you know, you'll get rewarded when you get rewarded. Um, but really just doing the dirty work that, you know, some guys aren't willing to do. When, uh, when you have two tight ends on the field, whether it's you and Dawson or Dalton and Dawson, uh, you know, the expectation is defenses are going to stay a nickel. Uh, do you think you guys will be able to run the ball on, on nickel defense? Oh, yeah, I, I think we'll be great, you know, running against Nickel. I mean, it's obviously a mismatch. We're talking about a guy who's used to covering, you know, slot receivers, probably 190, 200 pounds. And you got, you know, tight ends that you're looking at 240 plus. So, you know, it's expected um, that we should be at an advantage when that's happening. And then, of course, being able to mix it up, you know, run in, pass out of those positions. And we've all seen what Dawson can do. and. Obviously, we know what Dalton can do, and um, you know I feel like I, I match up pretty good in, in those uh, and running and passing as well. So I think we'll we'll be great. Yeah. So me, me and Reggie actually picked up on a hunch that he might be coming in. So uh, we didn't see him. We thought he might be in the team meeting this this morning. Uh, didn't get to see him. And then uh, we're at practice, and uh, I think Reggie tapped me like, Vic's back there, Vic's back there. So, I, you know, I was trying to stay locked into what I was doing, but I might have hit a little stretch and, you know, looked over my shoulder. So, I mean, it was obviously exciting getting to see him and meet him, and I was able to sneak in a picture, so I was happy about that. Um, but, I mean, he came over there and talked to us and, uh, you know, gave us a little bit of his story. I mean, it's, it's Mike Vic. It's not like we don't know too much about him already. Um, but he really just talked to us about, you know, finding whatever it is, is that spark that we need to, you know, take that next step. Like when you were in middle school, I'm guessing he was with the Eagles. I mean, was he, when you were a kid, would you just like pick the Falcons on Man? Oh yeah, I'm picking Falcons or, or Eagles and I'm, I might do like two step hitch and I'm running, I'm taking off with them and trying to get all the yards. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely a, a big Madden person. Um, so I was definitely using Vic and also just like, you know, a fan of just kind of how he changed the game. And um, I mean, he's just one of the greatest players, you know, to ever pick up a football as well. So. Josh Allen is kind of like the modern version of that. Like the kids are playing with him and talking about the numbers when the release came out, like mm. over a billion rushing yards last year. Man. Is that kind of cool to be playing with him? Oh, yeah, it's great. I mean, I again, I play Madden a lot, so I, and I only use the Bills. <laughs> so it, it only feels right, and plus, you know, we're pretty good on there. So uh, it's definitely exciting um, um, getting the – you know, play with somebody that's, you know, on the, you know, I think guys grow up and, you know, something I always wanted to be, be is on a Madden cover and just to, you know, be playing with somebody like that who's just a great player in general, great guy. And he actually also gave uh, a lot of us uh, copies and he signed it for us. So I think that's going to sit somewhere in a in a case for me. <laughs> Say again? Oh, yeah, I definitely throw myself in, uh, you know, every now and then um, if I'm, Really, when I'm playing my friends, just to you know joke around with it. Uh, but I also let you know Dalton and, and Dawson get some reps in there too. <laughs>
All right, that was tight end Quentin Morris speaking to the media after practice today. He is all nice team. One of the nicest guys on the roster, I think. Um, Going to be part of the tight end room this year. Um, Dalton Kincaid, Dawson Knox, Quentin Morris. Is he the third tight end in in regard to the final 53? How many tight ends do they keep on the active roster. You would think if this team is going to play more 12 personnel, yeah. that would mean you need another guy on the 53. Four. Yeah. Yeah, so um, Quentin Morris is in. That means, you know, Jay Sternberger or Joel Wilson uh, are going to make it uh, with Quentin Morris. That's yeah, interesting because they've never done that. They mm-hmm. haven't done that for a minute. Lee Smith was the last guy, I think, that they kept. Maybe yep. they had four guys, so – um, it'll be interesting. Well, uh, all that's going to come out in the wash. Uh, one other thing, too, is, and, and not just because, you know, I used to do it a lot, but I don't think covering kicks is going to play as prominent a role in roster formation mm-hmm. as it once did. Um, a fair catch is going to come in and, play, and, re- and on kickoffs and all that up. stuff. Yeah. It's going to change things up. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Quint Morris – We'll see what his snap count is on Saturday against the Chicago Bears. He's, he's had a really consistent camp, uh, caught a lot of passes, excited to see what the future is for him on the Buffalo Bills team and on this roster. We've got a break coming up. When we come back, we will close things up here on One Bills Live. We're presented by Clyde Health on Buffalo Bills Radio. Ticketmaster is the presenting sponsor of the Buffalo Bills 2023 season. Ticketmaster, the official ticket marketplace of the NFL. And we've got some news out of Chicago. Matt Eberflus announcing that Justin Fields and healthy starters will play on Saturday. He said he made that decision independent of Sean McDermott announcing that Josh Allen and other starters would play on Saturday as well. So we're going to get to see starters on both sides of the football. Yeah, Pretty exciting. uh, Yeah. Okay. Uh, Yeah, not for very long, and hopefully nobody gets hurt, but – um, Stay I, healthy, I do hope please. I do hope they look better than they did. I hope they get out to a fast start and a little bit show a little bit of juice Let's in that game. Let's see something. Let's see something. Let's see yeah. something. As long as you're going to play, go. Give us something to hang on to That's for the right. next two and a half weeks until right. we face the Jets. Oh my gosh, on it's a week long way. One. It's a long way away. Woo! It's almost here. I can't believe it. Last preseason game. I'm ready for it. All right, tomorrow it's going to be me and Chris Trapasso. Mike Sando will be on as well. We'll see you tomorrow from 1 to 3.